Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome. My name is Blake Dean, and I'm here with my co-host Aaron Monez, and you are listening to New Voices of Mutuality Matters, hosted by CBE International. This month, as we do every quarter, we are excited to feature the fall 2022 issue of Mutuality Magazine. This is a print and digital magazine from CBE International, which offers articles from diverse writers who share egalitarian theology and explore its intersection with everyday life. And this quarter's theme is the problem of porn, women, men, intimacy, and the church. And we are um, incredibly excited to get to um, talk about what we learned from this magazine, um, but also for myself and your listeners to get to learn from our two contributors, one of which you know incredibly well, the Reverend Dr. Aaron Monez. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Blake Dean, and you are doing stellar. Let me just say that. Well, thank you. To help us with our discussion today is a friend and contributing author, Mallory Ellington. Mallory is currently working as a prison GED instructor at Walker State Prison. She received her Master's of Theological Studies from Asbury Theological Seminary. She writes about the theology of the body, spiritual anthropology, and other topics that interest her. In her spare time, she loves sharing a cup of coffee with friends and chipping away at her ever-growing reading list. Hey, Mallory, I got a quick question for you. What are you watching, reading, or listening to? Um, so after hearing that bio, I feel like I should have had a book ready, uh, but I don't. Uh, so I have started watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, it's good. And yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, we're calling it my gateway drug to anime. So I've been watching it to see mm-hmm. if I would maybe like anime. And so far, so good. I love that. Yeah. Aaron, what are you watching, reading, or listening to? Okay, so I've got one that actually is a little, little heavy this time. Um, so I listen to this podcast regularly uh, called Be the Bridge, and it's connected to uh, the Be the Bridge uh, curriculums and book by Latasha Morrison. If you're familiar with it, um, you know that they do a lot of racial healing and racial reconciliation work um, uh, for Christians um, in Christian spaces. And we've done some of their groups at uh, colleges and things like that. But they have this podcast, and the podcast is great. But this one came out recently. It, it dropped in late July, and I've been listening to it very slowly this particular episode because it is is um, informative but also heartbreaking and difficult and they're they're talking with experts about the intersections of race and gun violence um, particularly like the history of like gun ownership in the in the nation and like the yeah. the way that that's happening now and unfolding and how we're we don't always think about race when we think about like gun ownership and second amendment and stuff and uh, it's just I was listening to it just this morning and it was just digging into me. And so I was like, I gotta, I gotta tell people about this because, um, I, I recommend it. Although you do want to listen to it with caution because it's a, it's an intense one, but it's really, really good. So be the bridge Mm. podcast, um, their cultural assessment on gun violence, uh, late July episode. That's what I'm, that's That's what I'm doing. That is a fabulous recommendation. Thank you so much. What about you, Blake? Um, So, I have been slowly working my way through the 
I have two, as I typically do. Okay. Um, one is I'm slowly working my way through George Eliot's Middle March, which is wonderful, but wow, is that book long. It is very long. And How I is really it? Wait, no, 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 because you were with like the Russian authors for a while, and now yeah. you're you're picking up these massive, not like what, what are I we doing? Find, I find, honestly, this is such a pretentious thing to say. I find that the Russian authors were way easier for me to read than um, George Eliot. <laughs> Not because George Eliot is bad, because she is so wonderful and so mm. clever um, that it, like, there's, like, turns of phrases that I want to sit with. And I'm also reading, um, I like to keep up with a magazine um, called The New Atlantis, um, mm. which works for a culture in which science and technology work for, not on, human beings. So I'm very interested in the intersection of theology and technology. So that's what I'm reading these days. Um, well, there is simply no segue um, from <laughs> Avatar gun violence and the new Atlantis to talk about the problem of porn, but we yeah. um, are going to. And I think it's worth uh, mentioning that I think we have a lot of um, different kinds of people who will be listening to our reflections on this topic and um, yeah. with different storied histories, whether personal or interpersonal. Mm-hmm. Um, with porn and especially since the advent of internet pornography. And so I wonder if both of you could get us started before we talk about your particular contributions, um, what you would say to our listeners as we wade into this conversation, knowing that there's kind of a story and diverse history. Yeah. Mallory, would you want to go first on that? No, I would not actually. Fantastic. I'm, I'm there for you. Um, yeah, that is, that is such a great place to start, uh, Blake, because, uh, and I really feel for for folks um, who are just caught in a loop with yeah. this, whether it's with them or someone they love. Um, this is a sensitive subject. Um, we get trapped in shame, um, but also we want to seek healthy, good avenues for intimacy and for our relationships, and we want to thrive in these places. And um, this is this is not just a hey, uh, this is a bad habit, stop doing it. Um, the, the, yeah. the concept of addiction and what uh, porn does to our brains, which is addressed in the magazine, but is also um, just what we're learning more and more from, from neuroscience about just means that we need to tread lightly and, and, and walk softly in these places, knowing that we are for each other um, mm-hmm. and for each other's thriving, um, but knowing that this is a much longer road uh, yeah. than it, it's, it's not just going to be fixed with a sermon or a podcast. Um, so yeah. we just kind of want to acknowledge that while we're contributing to that conversation here today, um, it's, it's, it's a bigger, it's bigger than what we'll cover in this podcast. That's great. Yeah. I think for me, just knowing, I want people to know that there's space for their pain and there's space for their shame and whatever else it is that they're feeling. Um, mm-hmm. the reason I wrote about this and the reason I care about this is because I want wholeness and wellness for everyone. And I know that that journey looks so different for each individual uh, and for each group of people that are impacted by porn use Um, and just honoring that the journey is different for everybody. And it kind of has to be depending on what our situation is. Um, And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think I would just add that, um, especially with kind of like what I talked about a minute ago, because of the intersection of technology and pornography, it, um, we know what technology generally does to our brains. We know what technology yeah. generally is doing to habit formation. And so um, we want to take responsibility for the things that are ours, but also I want to 
say to the, the insidiousness of, um, uh, porn, especially as, um, through the advent of internet porn is not to be underestimated. And so, um, we have abundant grace for everyone listening. And so we welcome you into the conversation rather than asking you just to watch from the outside. Yeah. Um, Mallory, I would love on that note to start with you, your contribution to the magazine, I think was, um, really important and your um, article is called women are people too um could you talk a little bit about i'm gonna let you talk about your article so can you talk a little bit about the main point and what led you there and why it's important yeah so i think for me the conversation of porn comes up in churches but i feel like it hasn't always been a conversation that served everyone and the people Mm -hmm. i feel like it hasn't served is women who watch pornography um, it feels like a group that's been neglected and forgotten because it's mm-hmm. it's been framed to be even more shameful to be a woman or a young woman who watches porn. And as someone who watched porn as a young woman, it created so much more shame in my life yeah. and took me a lot longer to find help and healing and wholeness in that regard. And I want people to know that they're not alone in that journey. And I want people to know that they can get help. I want women to know that they can get help because so often we are forgotten in this side um, of the issue. And I want them to know that there are other people who've walked that journey before and can walk it with them and are willing to walk it with them regardless of what it looks like, because we struggle with it too. And it feels far more shameful and embarrassing to admit that. And I want to throw my voice out there so that women can get help. Mm. Yeah. Aaron, in your work on um, college campuses and especially working with um, young women, um, and I mean, at this point, who have grown up with technologies, ready accessibility for a couple, uh, for this generation as well as the one before it, of your college students, what would you add to Mallory's reflections on that? Yeah, just, just a resounding amen. I think people would be shocked by the amount yeah. of women. I see and have seen over the years who struggle with um, pornography and, and masturbation. Um, it, it, uh, it's tricky because all of this is bound up, um, as the magazine highlights, in, in issues of patriarchy, but also in, mm-hmm. in just the way science has viewed women and women's sexuality um, going yeah. all the way back, all the way back for years and years and years and um, misunderstandings about ourselves, uh, sexually. And, and that has caused a number of problems, but now with the advent of readily accessible pornography on the internet, um, what, what's happening is exactly what Mallory is describing, that women don't have avenues for help. They don't have avenues for, um, resources or even just conversations. Uh, the ones that, that open up in my office, it can take a really long time to get there. And when they do, it's so difficult. And, um, and then of course there's books and books and books and books for men as Mallory highlights in her wonderful article, but it's what we're way behind the curve on this. There are a lot of repercussions to our ignoring that this is a a pervasive problem for all humans because we are all sexual beings on some level. Um, and, and, and that, that just hasn't been recognized by the world or the church, I think. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting to um, a, a layer that I think is really important and I think is implicit in Mallory's article is not only um, are 
are women experiencing, um, like, and struggling with porn, but also, like, there's other articles in the magazine that talk about the way that it, um, that porn um, can affect uh, men's vision of women. But I also think Mm -hmm. it's important, especially for women and men, to be honest, how porn affects our views of ourselves um, and can contribute to um, kind of a implicit exploitation, exploitative view, even of ourselves, um, which I think is something that, that I'm deeply concerned about. And I think we're watching, um, on the rise. Aaron, I, I'd like to ask you a question, um, that kind of, we're, we're, we're moving towards your article, but your work mm-hmm. on, um, intimacy. So how do, yeah. how do these, we're talking about resources that are readily available for men, less available for women. Women mm-hmm. are left kind of out of the conversation altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, quick side note, Mallory, I loved your inclusion about sermons. I think that's really important. I think there's like yeah. a hospitality in assuming that it can be in the room um, with a lot of different people. And I think the hospitality is important. So Aaron, what, even with these resources, what are these resources where do they fall short? What 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 are the ways that we want to not just um, ta- quote unquote tackle porn or tackle our struggles, but we want to move towards a more holistic and gospel centric vision? Yeah, this is. I think this is important for this conversation and for a lot of our conversations because um, so much content being generated uh, just about just about Christian relationships. Period. Christian intimacy. Um, the way we think about marriage or dating or singleness or all of these things is that a lot of folks are sitting on the front lines of these issues. They've got people in front of them who are, are dealing with these problems. And so we are trying desperately to find ways to help them in that moment. What we don't realize is that that we're only really treating symptoms. Um, and, and while those symptoms need to be treated, like we need practical engagement for understanding how addiction is shaping our brains and how to get out of these loops with porn and with shame and these, these, these different things that, that, that creep up on us and are entangling us. Um, so I'm not saying that we do away with those. I'm just saying that what I don't see is is a conversation that helps um, frame the way that we help people through yeah. the, the the symptoms and and these symptoms really um, just just drive back to, to begin to pull back the layers and begin to see oh underneath this is a lot of of, of shame underneath this are a lot of um, misunderstandings about our own sexuality which is actually yeah. misconceptions about who we are which spawns from our misconceptions of God which spawns from our misconceptions of who God is and what what the triune God yeah. is doing in the world and so ultimately it comes back to like do we get the gospel because if we yeah. get the gospel, it orients who God is. It orients God's work through Christ and the Holy Spirit in the world and who we are and our identities and how we're invited into that, um, that, that, that redemptive mission and then how we're living that out in our relationships, our relationships to God, our relationships to each other, our relationships to ourselves, our own identity. All of these things are threaded back into this larger story and this larger anchoring yeah. point. Um, and because we don't have a lot of material about that, because we don't have a lot of people talking about that, because our content is not driven from that original framework, what we have is a lot of um, good but often um, more superficial 
um, yeah. applications of truth um, to the problems, which which can be helpful, but only helpful to a point. I think yeah. even the good the good ones are only helpful to a point because at the end of the day, what's really broken about me is not my addiction to pornography. It's my addiction to pornography signaling that there is something deeply broken about who I understand as myself in the world because there's a distortion about who I understand who God is and what yeah. God is doing in the world. And so, right. so we have to kind of, we kind of have to, to, to treat it all right in a sense um, and be pastoral yeah. in all of it. And our, our confessional communities and all of these need to be shaped by that. Um, yeah. I think deeper depth and breadth. Yeah. And I think too, um, one of the greatest, Aaron and I talk about this a lot, is one of, yeah. I think one of the greatest root lies about um, kind of our contemporary conversations around um, sexual immorality in many different forms mm-hmm. is um, that it becomes totalizing. And so it becomes everything that you see your sexual self or self to be in a certain way. And I think that, that that's connected to what you're saying is that how do we heal um how do we invite the spirit of God to come mm-hmm. and heal our vision of the triune God, but also of ourselves and our relationship to, to him. Um, there was an article that I think was really, this kind of connected to what we're talking about, connected kind of bridged the gap between um, Aaron's article and Mallory's article. And it was by Kyle Norman, um, who's an Anglican priest. Um, and um, it's called preaching Pornea. And um, chatting about how, or writing about, um, how Christians today, including both congregants and preachers, tend to boil sexual immorality down to a hot-button topic instead of embracing the nuance of all the ways um, that our sexuality can be twisted um, and corrupted. But also, I think, all the then by extension, how we could be led towards um, healing. I wonder, uh, Mallory, if you could chat a little bit about um, kind of the connection of that idea and what what's um, not solutions but um, avenues and resources for women that you offer in your article like what are the ways that um, we can kind of holistically and faithfully move forward and support um, both men and women but for your article particularly um, women around us yeah I well I appreciate you saying something about sermons and just being inclusive in our language which I think is important regardless of what the topic is I think that just remembering Amen who's in the room and it's men and women um, and remembering to include them in all things because you really don't know where people are. Um, But because there's so much nuance, it's hard to preach something like that from the pulpit. That's why it becomes a hot, hot topic, Um, which is why I think that community matters. And that's one of the points Mm -hmm. that I talk about is having a safe space, um, probably a little bit smaller, kind of like a, like a small group or a life group, whatever your church calls it. Um, of people that you can connect with and that you can talk these things through with who can guide you, maybe women who've been there before, who've already walked the road. Um, I know that those groups exist for men because I see emails about them and I see promotions for them. So I know that those conversations can be had and held well. Um, And I think that the same just needs to be done for women. And I think that we would have a really good turnout for groups like that if they were just offered i know that i would love to sign up for a group like that i mean that was Mm -hmm. in you know middle school high school for me but i've been there and i would love to sit with a sister who's right there right now um Mm -hmm. and to walk with her and and to talk with her along the way and so i think i think there's just this 
this need that we didn't, well, I realized, you know, other people haven't realized that it's there. There are people waiting who want help, who want to have these conversations, um, but they just don't have a space to do it. They need, they need a physical space to have these conversations. Yeah. 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 And you can't do that on Sunday mornings. Yeah. No. And I think that that's important. How do we, how do we, um, scaffold the, um, the proclamation of God's word, the proclamation of God's heart from the pulpit on Sunday mornings with um, the embodiment of God's body together with us, um, embodied life together. I think that's really important. I think um, another um, aspect that is highlighted, I think, pretty poignantly and well um, in in this quarter's magazine that I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on is... Um, is how because of um, kind of patriarchal um, structures, because of patriarchal dictation of pornography, um, nine times out of ten um, representations or um, displays of sexuality are exploitative to women. And um, I I know none of us are um, psych- psych- psychologists or experts on that front, but I don't think it takes long for us to realize that that's what's going on. I think that that's a really um, inherent conversation um, and an inherent truth that I think is really evident. And so I'd love to hear both of your thoughts about, um, about that, um, about um, porn's exploitative um, visions of women and how that affects the way that we see each other. Erin, I'll let you go first. Yeah. um, I know that one of the articles in the magazine, um, really, really reaches into this. I think it's one by Heather Matthews. Um, and honestly, some of this is because, um, with, with pornography becoming available on the internet, um, and it's not just, um, sort of a softer medium that, that was available before, uh, the internet. What we've seen is just a massive rise in violence, um, embedded in porn. And so it's not just sex anymore. It's sex and violence. Um, and, and, and so there, there, there's something there that we need to recognize, which is that, um, it's not just sort of distortions about sex and our sexuality. It is, is distortions that, that lean heavy into shaping our minds and our, our understanding of ourselves and our understanding of our partnerships and our understanding of intimacy as being, um, is being tainted by, by power, and violence, um, and these are incredibly dangerous. Um, we, we haven't even it's happened so quickly, and it's happened so, so on such a massive scale. That, so uncontrollably. That, yes, yeah. we are. The research hasn't even caught up. We don't even we don't even know. We know it's affecting us deeply. We know it's affecting our households deeply. Um, but but even the the experts are still catching up on this on this research yeah. because it's it's evolving so so much, um, and and branching out so quickly. The demand is so high. Um, but I think that's something that, that I'm glad the magazine touches on, but one of the aspects of exploitation is that, um, there's, there's the exploitation within the actual, uh, industry itself, but, but then the repercussions of what porn looks like now versus, you know, even 50 years ago, uh, we just have to recognize, uh, it's evolving and it's evolving in a really, really dangerous way. So it's not just young men struggling with lust. It is what they're watching is is going to affect them on multiple levels and that that added element of violence is is significant. 
and doubles down on implicit patriarchal narratives about how we see women, um, yeah. not only sexually, but generally. Mallory, um, what do you have anything to add on that front? Yeah, I. so I have a really interesting job right now. Um, I am a woman working in a male prison, um, mm. and that means that every day I interact with men who have committed sex offenses. Um, and a lot of times that is violence against women um, in sexual ways. And that is a very hard and interesting part of my job because I can see how their view of women has clearly impacted the trajectory of their life. And Mm -hmm. I can clearly see in conversations with some of them how their pornography addiction helped fuel that and led them Mm -hmm. to whatever decision it was they made that led to their incarceration. Um, And I hear it in the way they talk and the way they talk about women when they think none none of us are listening, um, in the way that they look at us and the way that they treat us. And I'm very safe at my job. I I feel very well respected by my aides. And I do want to say that, um, even though they can't hear this. Um, but I see how the power being twisted and I'm the person of power because I'm free and I'm staff is really difficult for them because I'm a woman and they don't know what to do with that. Um, and it's really difficult for them to reconcile their loss of power in that way and to see how they interact with women. Um, and I, I mean, it breaks my heart to hear the stories that they tell, um, about some of their actions and to see that they are working so hard to retrain their brains and the way that they view people in general and the way that they view women, because it was so ingrained in, in, in them from a young age that women are just sexual objects and that's how they have lived their entire life. Um, and watching them do the work to retrain how to think has, you know, broken my heart for them, but is also so Mm. deeply encouraging that there is a shift that is being made. Yeah. And that redemption is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I've learned more about redemption in the past year than my entire life. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Amazing. Um, as we get towards our end, the end of our conversation, I kind of want to push even this part of the conversation even a bit further to kind of gesture Mm. towards, um, Another article in the magazine, which I think is was really um, was a very interesting addition, and I was very glad to see it added, um, is and it's entitled "Is There Such Thing as Ethical Pornography?" And for some of us that have grown up in particular spaces or operate in really particular, um, especially Christian spaces, I mean that's a real easy answer, right? It's like no, <laughs> um, but um, being proximal to some more um, secular embodiments of feminism, mm-hmm. it is a live question. Yes, it is an incredibly live question, and um, and in certain um, pockets, even of the church, it's a live question. Um, yeah. And um, so, I would I would love to hear really briefly. Um, your like quick elevator pitch response to the question, is there such thing as ethical pornography in light of what we've already, um, in light of what we've already talked about? Um, I'll lay my cards on the table. I don't think so. Um, I think that there, um, I think as we've discussed the, um, the medium of internet pornography particularly is inherently consumptive, um, and, um, consumptive, um, means to a pleasurable end, um, dis- distinguished from like embodied life together, um, is inherently exploitative. Mm-hmm. But what about you guys? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say no as well. Um, 
Because you're never going to know the heart of somebody. You're never going to know, like, what do they actually think of this person? You're right. Like, if you're consuming something, then someone is an object that's being consumed. And I just can't abide by that. Because people are people and they deserve their dignity. And I think it's really hard to make sure that all people have their dignity in a situation where you're consuming something for your own gain. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I, and I really love this article. It's, it's, it's co-written by a couple and it's really well done. And they, they highlight some of the recent arguments that have come out for uh, the idea of, of, of ethical pornography. Mm. And then they break down why um, that doesn't actually work. And gosh, this is, this is an important conversation we need to be having in and outside of the church. Um, yep. Because uh, for, for, for many folks in spaces, and I see this as like, you've got this sort of collision of like the the implications of the sexual revolution and how we yep. think about our, our rights and privilege in that vein and the rising um, uh, attuneness to justice. And we're mm. seeing, oh, the porn industry is actually really, 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 really unjust in a lot of massive ways. And so I feel like folks who um, may, may be navigating this from different spaces, not even necessarily inside the church, but are navigating it from different spaces, are trying to reconcile these two things. And so um, the idea of ethical pornography sits in the middle where they're like, oh, yeah. well, there's ways for it to be clean and consensual and just, and therefore the consumption of it is okay. So, so it's like we can, we can, we can maybe make this justice move and yep. feel okay as justice people on this end, um, but we still want to have our porn. Um, and so, I, I, I just I don't see it. I don't see it as 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 a selling point. And what they bring up in the article and what I I feel is is an important point is that there are multiple variables on both sides it's not yeah. just how you make it it's yeah, also what exactly is right. doing on the other exactly end in right. and, and and other repercussions um that that um spiral out from from this idea of porn and how it's affecting folks so you i don't think there is such a thing as ethical porn because you have to yeah. think about all these different variables Agreed. that are involved and make sure that all of them are ethical and i haven't seen it and no one has been able to explain it to me in a way that <laughs> that shows that it is. And I think we're just trying to fool ourselves because we, again, have these distortions about what we Agreed. believe is important sexually. And um, and as the church, yeah. we haven't done a very good job speaking to that. And so and yeah, so we we lean into what what culture is often often telling us. Um, but but this is this is a conversation I think is going to just grow over the I next agree. generation, and we need to be prepared. I agree. Thanks, you guys, so much. Um, I would invite all of us, including our listeners, to just take the deepest of breaths. <laughs> um, for Aaron and I, this was a this is a more serious conversation, but I think it's because um, it's um, the gravity of it personally and interpersonally, personally as well as socially um, and societal society societally um, mm-hmm. is worth um, attuning to. And so we're grateful that you. Um, have gotten this far and have listened. Um, but we would encourage you if you um, want to read more, if you want to um, read um, these perspectives and these stories that we're talking about, um, subscribe to the Mutuality Magazine and access a digital copy of this issue. You also... Also, also this is not in our, our outro notes, Blake Team, but I want to make sure people know Mallory has a blog 
and it's recent and she you you want to hear for, more from her so we're going to include the link to her blog in the show notes and you will not regret regret following her and reading more of her writings so please please continue i love it yeah please check out mallory please follow her as she continues to do um wonderful and amazing things and make sure to go to the cbe website you can read these articles on their blog as well and thank you for joining us today um we if you enjoyed this episode and we hope that you did be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can hear from our co-host every week um we have other themes um as we develop content on gender theology for the gospel empowerment of men and women, I promise you will not want to miss what's coming down the pike. And we would love to thank Landon, who's our support tech and the team at CBE International that makes this podcast possible. I'm Blake Dean with my co-host Aaron Moniz, where mutuality matters. Thanks for listening. Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? Then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.